Eight is enough. Are we an answers now culture? And an interview with Veronica Cartwright, who plays Helen on Resurrection. It's all coming up next on Resurrection Revealed. Welcome back for bonus coverage of the Resurrection episode entitled Home and an interview with Veronica Cartwright, Helen on Resurrection, all on this unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection with theories and even more. Recorded April 23rd, 2014, I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice acting, podcasting fan of the Green Bay Packers, who's super excited that the 2014 game schedule came out today. Go Pack Go! And I'm Troy Heinrichs, secretly hoping that the Packers will return to the Super Bowl. See how I tied that in there? That, that was beautiful. We're just glad to be here with you because even though there's no episode this week, we still have lots of things to talk about as we plan for the upcoming, we'll call it two-part finale, even though it's technically over two weeks. Right. Because we have lots of stuff to share. And of course, we have some more theories and feedback that came in over the course of uh, the week that kind of missed our last show and some more thoughts and theories as we do talk to Veronica Cartwright tonight who plays Helen everybody's favorite villain I guess on the show will be the best way to describe how people feel about the Helen character on Twitter and I think it's going to be great to hear what Veronica has to say because we might not see her so much as the villain by the time we're done with the interview tonight Wayne. I know this is good stuff. I can't wait to play that, but we do have some other good stuff to uh, share with you as well. First. Well, the first thing I wanted to do tonight, since we don't have a show to really focus on is I do want to thank everyone that's made resurrection revealed possible. It's been an absolute trip these last uh, seven, eight weeks or so. And we've had some great times talking to the cast. We want to thank everybody at ABC, all the cast members that have come on the show And of course, all you guys, the fans, because it's a fan podcast without you, the theories, the thoughts, those obviously are the things that make it totally awesome. And we did hit 1000 likes on our Facebook page, just as, but it doesn't stop there. So because we have an off week, we have a challenge. We have a mission for all of the fans out there that listen to the show. We really want to make sure that everybody gets on board before these last two episodes so they can hear what's going to go down. So what we need is we need all of you to go out to iTunes. In iTunes, you can go ahead and leave us a five-star review. If you even do a write-up, the best thing we can get from you guys right now is, how did you feel about the show so far this season? Do you like the live chat Sunday nights? Do you like the cast interviews? What more would you see? Because a season two pickup has got to be around the corner because the DVR numbers are out of this world. Yeah, with the ratings the way they are, I would be surprised if we don't get a season two of Resurrection. And of course, if we do, we'll definitely have a season two of Resurrection revealed. And one more thing on the iTunes reviews and the five-star ratings, whatever you can um, share with us would be fantastic. But you can do that even if you listen to the show on the website or in Stitcher Radio, Downcast, or any other way that you hear the show, you can still go to iTunes and leave the review there, and it's much appreciated. Anything you can do really will help, because like Troy said, these final two episodes of Resurrection are certainly going to rock. And we make it super easy for you to do it, too, because you're already familiar with the website, resurrectionrevealed.com. Just throw the slash iTunes right on the end, resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right to our page where you can leave that review. 
And we would greatly appreciate it to make sure everybody gets word that this show is the place to be if you are a Resurrection fan. And of course, for all of the Resurrection Insider info. Yes, and also want to thank everybody for all of the retweets they've been doing uh, for the posts on the Twitter feed and sharing some of the Facebook uh, posts from the Resurrection Revealed Facebook page. So all the shares and retweets, all good stuff. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. We can't believe how this show has taken off, and we are loving it. Not so many people are loving it, though, Wayne, and I think that's something we want to talk about tonight because we've heard through the media there's a couple people out there that have been watching the show and they're like, man, you know, that's too slow. It's, you know, they do all this stuff that they bring up and they're doing like a return to the week and all of these weird comments. And I, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the fact that people start a show and then stick with it for five, six episodes and then say, I want more, I want more? I think it's just a symptom of society almost. or And it's basically the fault of most of the other shows that are on television that think that we just need nonstop action every single week, all the time. And instead, I like the pace of resurrection where we're getting build up and we're not really getting a return every week. That was maybe true for the first three episodes, but we haven't gotten one for every single episode after that point. So I think that it's just laying groundwork. It's a good story. Sit back, relax, Turn on your brain because you really got to think about this show in a lot of aspects to fully enjoy it. So many other shows, it, like even Revenge, and we love Revenge. We do the TV Talk Revenge podcast. Now, that's a lot of action, and but that's a different type of show. One thing I heard from our buddy Hank Davis over at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, they kind of have a similar dilemma where all through the season, so many people wanted it to turn into a Marvel comic superhero show right away. and people were getting impatient. I don't know why everybody is so impatient all of a sudden. I wonder if it's part of the Netflix culture, right? We have the ability to watch House of Cards, 13 straight hours, never taking a break to go to the bathroom even. And is this binge you know, thing kind of what's feeding this, I want answers now, I want answers now. You know, It's not like you can speed read the book. I mean, even if you put a book, say from Audible in 2X or 3X and try to crunch in the, as many books as you can, you miss the fine details. I mean, there was a lot of people that are like, man, the insomnia episode where Caleb disappears, you know, everybody focuses on the ending and nobody focused on the fact that so much character buildup happens with Omar Epps and Agent Bellamy with the child and how his attachment to Jacob comes from that failed case and then the rubber ball that he's bouncing in the first episode in his office is that rubber ball he picks up off of the ground. you know. And I don't know if it's just because people aren't as interested in all of the minutia detail like some fans are, and that's why we love all of you guys, because it's the minutia detail that really makes a television show, for me anyway, worthwhile. Because if I'm not going to be vested in the small details, then I'm not going to bother watching it. I'll make my decision by episode two, because I always know that the pilot has been basically written and designed to make me want to like the show. It wants the executives of the network to like the show. But if episode two comes around and it's got nothing there for me, you know, then I'm out. But this was everything I wanted out of an episode two for this television show, especially having been a book reader because they went right for the coffin right away. And I thought that was fantastic. Yes. I, I love how it played out. And like I said, just slowly enjoying each episode as they come. Now, of course, 
when the show does come out on DVD, and you can even pre-order it already if you go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash season one. I, of course, when I get those DVDs, I'm going to binge watch over maybe three days time and watch all eight episodes again, as well as any bonus features. But that was a good point bringing up the whole House of Cards and how Netflix released the whole series in one day. And some people did watch all of them in one day. That, I don't know if I could do that. Well, and then the other question is, on the other side of the coin, is eight episodes enough? You know, did they sell themselves short by only having eight episodes this season? So when it gets to come to the finale, are people going to be up in arms? Oh, they, if they only had four more episodes, it could have told so much more. But yet, you don't want them to tell you so much more because you want the answers now. That's a double-edged sword. That's <laughs> a lose-lose. But I can see your point because when I first heard that Resurrection was only going to be eight episodes, I was thinking, wow, this is more like a mini series." But at the same time, I can see where the people making the decisions knew that eight episodes would be how many it would take to tell the story that they want to tell for this season of resurrection, whether it's the only season or just season one, they knew how to pace it for eight episodes. So I'm, I'm going to trust them on that. The writers, the producers and everybody involved. And I think that's one thing we have to understand when you think about television shows, right? Plan B and the people in Joanne Alfano's office and Aaron Zellman and Michelle and Tara, you know, these are the people that are really behind the show, right? And then ABC buys the show. Right. Their job is to basically promote it, market it, get it out there for people to watch it because the advertisers are making the money for ABC where everybody else is actually back at plan B as the ones that are responsible for the show content. So when I sit there and I say, you know, this is my show, I want my show to succeed, it's because I'm truly a fan. I'm a fan of the content and the writers and the people that are producing the acting and the writing versus saying I'm really a fan of ABC. Now, I appreciate ABC, of course, because it gives me the ability to watch the show and have all of the you know, great advertisers that are behind it. And so the thing that we have to balance here is, does a show like Resurrection need 10, 15, 20 million viewers like it had in week one, or is it okay to have just five to seven million viewers and then get a little bump on the DVR? Because if I'm an advertiser, you know, I want five million people that will always buy my product versus 10 million people who may never buy my product. Niche marketing and having the the diehard viewers that are totally invested and probably watch the entire thing live and maybe even see all of the commercials, which of course is the wish of ABC and the advertisers. Now I'm wondering if we do get a season two of Resurrection, any idea whether it would be a 10 or 12 episode season or maybe yeah. more. I fear that, you know, some people really want this full 22 or 24 episode season and you're almost guaranteed to have some filler episodes in the middle when that type of stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, a show like this, I mean, Fox has been doing a really great job doing things like The Following and Sleepy Hollow. Um, they're going to bring back, obviously, 24 here in a couple of weeks. So that'll be 12 episodes there. I like the short condensed seasons because I think that it tells a really good story. I know for a fact that it's coming back next year. So in my mind, yes, granted, it's going to be a long hiatus mm. before the show comes back again. But you look at something like Falling Skies. It's on a cable channel on TNT. Not many people are going to watch cable on a Sunday night, but Falling Skies is going into its fourth season and it's only aired 
what, 30 episodes total? Something like that, it's yes. Riveting television, you know? It's pretty good stuff. And then when you want to take the pendulum all the way to the other edge, feel for the diehard fans of BBC's Sherlock, which I love that show and the fantastic acting. But basically, you get three episodes every season. Now, granted, they're about 90 minutes long each, somewhere in there. But still, it's back, you're excited, and it's over within three weeks. Well, it's a series, right? They don't call them seasons across the pond. Okay, well, I translated for our American listeners. <laughs> Season, series, I don't know. Well, I, love I know show. that we have the uh, the May upfronts where we first learned about this show last year. Uh, that'll be coming up around the 19th of May. So we should get a season two announcement at least by mid-May. So if we get one, we'll obviously put it out there, maybe even jump on a podcast uh, after the show goes off the air just to have a season two prediction show, if you will, once we get word if it's going to be picked up. But I think you know the 12 to 13 episode run is perfect for the content. The thing that we always have to ask ourselves then is what does that do for syndication? Since normally a four-year, 22-episode order of 88 episodes is that magic number to get it into syndication. Does that model change if we go with this 13-episode format going forward for a lot of shows? Yeah, I don't know if syndications as important as it used to be, you know, with Amazon and Netflix and others really coming into the fray. I think there's other ways they can achieve the same thing and do more with less. Now, could you briefly explain this upfronts and what that means and where it comes from and what it does? Yeah, so basically it's an upfront look at what the fall schedule will be for the advertisers. They basically have the networks do presentations to the advertising community in the third week of May usually. Some of them have been releasing them earlier, depending on the channel or the network, but most of the broadcast, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, they do this third week in May, and that's where they basically preview the fall schedule, and then advertisers can purchase early on the shows that they want to support uh, when that fall schedule comes out. So in the case of Resurrection, they did put it out there uh, that this was going to be a show on the network sometime in the 2013-2014 season, but then obviously they held it back from the fall schedule and left it until you know later in the thing. So you know usually that's where you're going to find the last-minute decisions, like should we pick this up, should we pick that up? And usually it depends on what's already on the schedule. So I think with something like Resurrection doing as well as it is, especially in the DVR ratings, you know, if they have a hole that they need to fill on ABC, like potentially Thursday at seven or Tuesday at nine, you know, is kind of where their gaps are this year, they could put Resurrection in there and rely on the DVR numbers to bump up the rating, even if they don't get that live same day count. Perfect. It sounds like you've got it all figured out. Um, ABC should uh, maybe work with you on this. Well, they don't have much else because they canceled pretty much their rest of their schedule. So depending on what the pilots look like, I think we're a safe bet that Resurrection will be back for season two. And Sunday nights, that's my main ABC night between Once Upon a Time, Resurrection, and Revenge. That takes care of ABC for me. But that, those are three heavy hitters. I love all three shows. Well, we'll come back after the interview with some discussion we did get in from the fans, especially surrounding Helen, since we do interview Miss Veronica Cartwright this evening. So sit back. We'll be back right after this message. Hey, guys. Aaron with The Hollywood Outsider here. I don't have long, so I need you to listen up. 
I'm going to debrief you about our new show where we're discussing the exciting new event series, 24, Live Another Day. Every week, we're going to go over the latest episode, where we think the show is heading, and our listeners' thoughts. It's also called 24, Live Another Podcast. You can download each episode to your PDA of choice through iTunes, Stitcher, or go to the website directly at thehollywoodoutsider.com slash 24. Okay, now that's all I can tell you right now. You're listening. So why aren't you? I gotta go, guys. I'm running out of time. Troy and I are honored to interview a true Hollywood veteran for you this week. And although you currently know her as Helen on Resurrection, Veronica Cartwright's been appearing on television and in film since she was nine years old. She's also appeared in the classic first Alien movie, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Right Stuff, The Witches of Eastwick, L.A. Law, and a ton more. Veronica, thank you so very much for joining us on Resurrection Revealed. Well, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. I mean, you've done a ton of roles over the years, obviously. And after you've acted in so many different roles, what kind of drew you to the show Resurrection and the role of this uh, wild character of Helen? (laughs) Is she wild? Well, Helen is... Actually, what's interesting is I actually auditioned for Frances uh, Fisher's part. And when I went in on that original interview... I mentioned that I had done a movie um, called Flight of the Navigator about a boy who comes back. And they all sat there going, oh, I said, and, you know, he comes back and he's the same age as he was when he left, which I said, I didn't know if any of that inspired this at all. But I didn't um, get Francis's part. And then out of the blue, they called and offered me this part of Helen. I think Helen's really, she's just someone who... She believes what she believes, and she just finds these things extremely disturbing. People returning, and where did they come from, and why are they the same age, and I don't like a bit of it. And it bothers me that Reverend Tom is just so, in a sense, willing to accept it. So I like playing people like this. (laughs) You have to find their core of righteousness. Flight of the Navigator was one of my favorites growing up 100%. I was actually kind of concerned that maybe Helen relocated from Fort Lauderdale because it was technically the name of your character in Flight of the Navigator too, was it not, as David's mother? Was it Helen? Oh my God, I I didn't realize that. Maybe she is from Fort Lauderdale, but that might have been a little hip for her. Wayne mentioned, of course, that you did you know Body Snatchers and you did Alien. I mean, classic scene, of course. You also played Cassandra Spender, who was a really critical role on the X-Files. Oh, she was fabulous. Great Great. character. Are you drawn to this kind of mysterious sci-fi type of show in your professional career? And did that kind of hook you when you saw Resurrection Script? Well, I mean, I'm drawn to the characters. I mean, the fact that they happen to be sci-fi oriented, it's not something I have sort of gone out to make my career about. It just sort of happened, but they're always such interesting characters to play. I mean, to find the reality in it, you know? I haven't set out doing that. I just like to work, and when they offer you something that has some interesting um, possibilities to the character, then I go for it. Well, that's totally understandable, and I'll tell you what, a lot of people are noticing your character of Helen, and the way Helen reacted during the show, and even more so this past week on episode six titled Home, it seems as though this is almost a personal feud that Helen's having with Tom. 
You know, Helen obviously looks like she's been a member of this church for a long time. Maybe there's even been a series of pastors that have served at that church. Did the producers of Resurrection give you any backstory as to how this confrontational aspect of Helen and Tom's relationship came to be? No, no, they didn't. But he's obviously been there for some time. But, you know, none of the other pastors had anything happen to them like this. Oh, true. So um, this is like something, a new experience. And the problem that I find with Tom is that he seems to have accepted this. And now along comes this other person who's returning, and she turns out to have been pregnant, which I find out from his wife. I, I mean, and Tom didn't even know that she was pregnant. You know, she tells him. That to me is, well, it's just mind-boggling. You know, as far as I'm concerned, he should be faithful to his wife. And he's obviously having other thoughts. That's just not right. But there's ulterior motive in that, it seems, because you already had the closed-door board meeting where Tom wasn't invited, and it almost seemed like Helen sought out Janine to have that conversation with her, like, hey, you know, how you doing, but give me some dirt as well. Well, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, Janine is obviously not happy with what's going on. And so I think Helen sees a little doorway there that she might be able to find some more stuff out. I mean, when I go to her, I'm not asking, I, I don't know that this girl that's returned is pregnant. I mean, that's like opening up a whole new can of worms. I go to her in a sense to comfort her. My father was a pastor. I explained that, and, and, and I saw how my mother kept quiet over the years, and I'm just not going to do that. These things need to be exposed, and I'm sort of trying to help Janine expose it too. And if she's not, I will. I have a feeling in the final two episodes of the season, all sorts of things are going to happen. Uh, we want to remind you that we are talking with Veronica Cartwright, who plays Helen on Resurrection. Now, on the show, there's clearly this spiritual undertone for the show. You know, we've got the church and the pastor being pivotal characters, as well as a lot of the returned so far having biblical names and the fact that they're taking three days to get to Arcadia. So, Veronica, how do you approach such a spiritual and core human questions, you know, as an actor and kind of balancing it to however you currently believe. Three days. What was, what is that? Could be the three days of, you know, uh, Christ uh, dying on the cross, coming back to life for his resurrection. Oh, for his resurrection. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, God, I hadn't gotten into it that deeply. I think that, you know, she's, she sort of uses, the church as a bit of her platform, because she's confused as well. You know, I've done quite a few of these things in churches. At least I'm not a witch this time. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe she is. (laughs) I have no idea. You kind of seem like a board member of the church. Did you have to do any kind of church study, how the inner workings of of a church organization works? That just was written into the script. I didn't have to know. I didn't even know that I was part of the board until I got the script. (laughs) Surprise. So there wasn't any time to delve into any of that. But the thing is, it's her job. I mean, you're on boards. I'm on, you know, you go on to PTA boards or whatever. The whole thing of them being returned and the fact that Pastor Tom has accepted this boy, it seems to have, I mean, I even confront him. I want to know what's down in that basement. I want to know how he can just accept this person. 
And he says, it's in the hands of God. And then I turn around and say, well, are you sure he's the one behind this? As far as I'm concerned, it could be the devil behind this whole thing. I mean, none of us know, but he seems to be accepting it. And that's what's very upsetting to Helen. He's not asking any questions. He's, he's just accepting it. And that, I think, is what bothers her the most. And if I'm, the, you know, one of the church members, I am going to make it so that everybody knows this is his choice, not our choice. We're the ones who run this church. Um, it's the congregation. And if we're upset about it, we should be able to express that and him explain it. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> answer because <it, laughs> I actually find it interesting that there there is no like city council or mayor. I mean, everything seems to flow through Sheriff Fred's department, but yet you're using the church as kind of the town hall platform rather than actually going to the town hall. So does that say something about the community of Arcadia as a whole? Well, I mean, it, well, it's interesting that they do sort of use that as the platform, and it, it, it doesn't go through a town hall. I, I mean, it is true. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's like the go-to person is Pastor Tom, and now he's totally been put on the spot because he's had somebody who is near and dear to him come. And, yes, it does seem to go through the sheriff. The sheriff seems to have an awful lot of say. It's true, isn't it? I, I didn't even occur to me why isn't the mayor taking this up. It seems to all be revolved around the religious aspect of the whole thing and the questions, you know, are we just sort of going to befuddle ourselves along and just believe what everybody else does or are we going to question it? And there's certainly a lot of things to question and answers hopefully will oh, be boy. coming our way as well. <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> Switching gears uh, from Resurrection for a moment to when I first saw you, Veronica, in the theater, 1979, with the promise that in space, no one can hear you scream. I can still vividly mm -hmm. see the scene of poor Lambert getting splattered by the blood from that first appearance of the chestburster. And I see that you're right. appearing at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles on May 4th. It's all part of the 35th anniversary of Alien. Uh, can you tell us a That's bit right. more about this event coming up? Well, uh, somebody contacted me, and there's very few of It's the 50th anniversary of um, Johnny Quest, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. So Tim Matheson's going to be there. And um, it's a comic book and science fiction convention. And it's one day only. And it's at the um, Shrine Auditorium, and there's going to be some interesting people there. I hope everybody comes out. It would be nice. And I'm also doing a thing um, at the Evolution Expo, which is going to have actual astronauts and people that are uh, scientists in the space program. And it's going to be at the um, Oakland Marriott City Center. And um, it's June 27th through the 29th. And that's going to be a, an interesting thing, too, because it's all to do with science fiction and Tom Skerritt's going to be there, so that'll be great for the 35th anniversary. It's nice. I like all these 35th. We did the 50th anniversary of the birds last year, and that was a lot of fun, too. I've been around with these science things. <laughs> <laughs> it's those kind of shows and those kind of movies, right, that kind of live on forever. So it's just They do. They do, don't they? It's so weird. It is. It's great. We just did a Twilight Zone thing this weekend for people that had been in Twilight Zone. And I did a, the 
I Sing the Body Electric, which was the only Twilight Zone that Ray Bradbury um, wrote. It's amazing. I, I mean, of course, Leachman was there and Michael Forrest and all these different, and Richard Kyle, all these people that had done Twilight Zones. And how many years ago was that? That was must be coming up pretty close to 50 years. And we can only hope that Resurrection and all the cast and the great writers that have put this show together kind of go that same way, right? Along with X-Files and Lost and some of the other yes. kind of great genre well, we're television. we're still waiting to hear whether we're picked up, but hopefully... I just think that the scripts have been fantastic. And the mystery, it doesn't make it so creepy that people don't want to come back and find out what's going on. They, they want to know what the mystery of these people is, as are the people that are working on it. We don't know what the mystery is. What I like about it is it has real substance. And I'm just hoping that um, it gets picked up, and I'm sure it will. And um, we have a long run with it. And we had a couple questions come in from Twitter. Actually, a, a couple more kudos than anything. Uh, Tom McLaren on Twitter said that you did a wonderful performance uh, in the last episode for uh, Home. So congratulations from Tom. And then we also had uh, Matthew Sly. I believe Matthew Sly was grandson on the show. Grandma Helen, make sure that we stay at the wonderful church. Are you really going to leave for good? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. That was lovely. Yes, he was in my very first episode. He was my grandson that I took off of the um, baseball field. Oh, yes. Oh, that's sweet of him. We had a question from Kay Sanders. You know, why are you playing that uh, judging church villain again? Because you've kind of already played this kind of type of a role in your career already. Well, if you're referring to Witches of Eastwick, I was not. I was upset. I was like basically the fourth witch. And I knew that Jack Nicholson's character was the devil. I was just trying to warn those three other women what he was. And the more I tried to explain it to them, he would make me do things that seemed to be obsessive, outspoken. And, I mean, I was, in a sense, it wasn't me that was doing it. She was made to do those things by the devil. So, Helen, in this sense, is not being possessed by the devil and not being forced to say anything. She wants to get to the bottom of it. And I don't think she's necessary. She's not a villain. She's scared. She doesn't understand where these people are coming from. They've already lived their lives. It makes you question what your beliefs are if people can come back. And that is scary to Helen. It doesn't make her a villain. She just wants to get to the bottom of it and, and wants some answers. And that's what's frustrating to Helen. Well, and the great thing about a show like this is that you'll have the furious go from the scene uh, a couple of weeks ago where you were like, well, is the devil behind this versus God? The other side of the coin might say, well, maybe the devil's causing you to stir up the pot because it is God actually bringing these people back. It's kind of interesting. Ooh, I like that. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, right? It all depends on what the writers had for breakfast that day. Yes. Oh, I know, I know. You just sort of read your script and go, oh, is that what's happening? I mean, we're all in the dark as everybody else is. Sounds like they've been keeping the scripts pretty close to the chest. They haven't been able to give you guys a sneak peek of like future scenes. You're getting the scripts pretty much the day that you're shooting or a day before, correct? Yeah, we get them really pretty close to it. And besides that, you know, we can't reveal too much. We want to be picked up, and so we have a lot more to reveal. 
I mean, we only have what we have two more episodes left. I really like that model too, because if you remember back a couple of years ago, there's a show called Grey's Anatomy. They actually did a short eight, or actually, like it was nine episodes for Grey's Anatomy, and then Scandal did a seven episode first season. And look at where those shows are today. So right, right, and I think that that's what ABC is doing um, with this. Um, it was the pilot, and then the seven episodes, and that's exactly how they rolled out Scandal. Yeah, I mean, you you want to tantalize people enough so that they want you to come back so that they can find out more. But, of course, we as actors are at the mercy of whatever it is they've written, and we just what the end result is going to be because we want to run for many years. Absolutely, and that's half the fun, and that's why Troy and I are going to keep talking about Resurrection here on our podcast. So we hopefully all together we can figure out what, what on earth is going on. <laughs> what the hell is going on? It's like lost, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, what were they? Why were they out there? It's kind of exciting and fun. Have you read the book? I read the book. Wayne has not. So Wayne is holding out till after the first season is over, and then he's going to dive in. Yes, I'll be reading uh, it okay. in about three weeks. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. We've been doing kind of a rapid fire segment, Veronica, to see if we can learn more about you and then maybe a little bit more insight into Helen's character. Basically, we're going to have ask you a question and we want you to answer what your favorite thing is and then what Helen's favorite thing might be, if you can kind of give us some <laughs> insight into how that works. And you can feel free right. to make up your answers. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm so glad about that. Okay. Yeah. So just have fun with the Helen part. <laughs> we'll start with uh, favorite color. Um, green, although I have uh, a living room that's this incredible curry color, and everybody looks fantastic in it. So, hmm. you know, green and curry sort of colors. And for Helen? Mm, blue. Which is interesting, because that was Pastor Tom's answer as well. <laughs> I think that's going to help us solve the mystery. Uh, Veronica, what's uh, your favorite movie, and what would be Helen's favorite movie? It is hard for me to pick one movie that's my favorite movie. I do love The Right Stuff. I've seen it several times in a row because it was the 35th anniversary of that. It is, it's just such an uplifting, wonderful movie. Um, but then there's little movies like City Island and, and Shawshank Redemption. You know, I, I have several that I really like. But I, I think Helen, Helen would go for Sound of Music or... Um, or Gone with the Wind, something like that. Epic. Yes. <laughs> Favorite season of the year? Spring. And is Helen the same, or does she have a different favorite season? She'd probably like the fall. Do you have a favorite type of music style? Well, I love the Stones. That Mick Jagger, I think they're fantastic. So I'm going to stick with the Stones, but... I don't know about Helen. I think that might have been a bit raucous for her. <laughs> she was probably more for, you know, the Carpenters or something. <laughs> or Cat Stevens or, you know, something that was a little more mellow. She's just into that good old traditional church music for sure. Yes. Well, it can't be too wild, though. None of the Baptist stuff. That's true. <laughs> there you have it. Now, Veronica, if, if you could have one person come back to life, who would it be, and what one question would you maybe ask them? Well, you know, I am very fortunate in that my parents 
Uh, my mom turns 90 this week. My wow. dad is 91. Um, my aunt is 93. They're all still alive, living in Las Vegas. So I'm fortunate in the sense that, except for friends and stuff, have um, passed. But I, I think I would probably like to talk to my grand. And I just want to know what it's like. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> when you go, When you go out into that energy field, what is it like? And then the big question we have, of course, is what antics are we going to see from your character or what fun did you have on the set that might show up on, say, a season one DVD of Resurrection? Well, I must say the scene in the church, we, we did it a lot from a lot, different, uh, a lot of different angles and stuff. So I think that there was quite a bit of variation. At one point, um, Helen got very, very upset that, you know, um, that she had to... Uh, told the pastor that we did not want to be part of that. I mean, I, I and so hopefully that shows up. I mean, it didn't seem to be the take that they went with, but I thought it was kind of interesting that it was just sort of, Helen didn't really want to do this, but she was forced to do it. And I don't think that they used that take, and I, maybe that'll be in the DVD. It'd be epic to watch Helen try to get to that like anger point, right, where you're about to... Well, it wasn't so much anger. She was so disappointed disappointed and upset that she was forced to leave this church that she loved because the pastor was being so wishy-washy, I think. I'll tell you what, our mutual friend, uh, Kevin Sizemore, his character, Gary Humphrey, he looks like he got upset in that scene. (laughs) Oh, he certainly did. He He is uh, not a happy camper at all. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what's on the DVD. Are they they releasing in all seven eight shows? Yeah, all eight. I believe it was June tenth. Uh, real quick release after the show goes off the air. So. Oh wow! Now, of course, Veronica, you have an excellent website over at veronica-cartwright.com, and we already kind of talked about the 35th Alien Anniversary event coming up. What other projects or charities could the fans get behind to help you out? I always buy breast cancer stamps. I have for years. And I know that there's forever stamps, but I um, I buy the breast cancer stamps, and I believe that nine cents from every stamp goes to breast cancer research. So I always think that that's a good thing to do. I'm a big person for rescue animals. I think people should rescue animals and save them, and because all of my animals have been rescues, and they're just the the best they know that you love them and so i think people should go to places like uh, the forgotten foundation and and uh, different animal rescue places and and save save beasts that need homes yeah definitely a worthy cause both troy and i have our dogs from uh, different rescue centers as well so might as well help out those dogs you when you meet them and you see them and you are in the need of a pet, you know you can take care of them. It's a win-win for everybody. There is. And, you know, sometimes older animals, for um, they need to be rescued as much as the younger ones. You don't have to get a puppy. You can, and, you know, sometimes just knowing that you're getting an older animal, um, they're so grateful. And it makes you feel better about yourself as well. 
And we'll have links to the Forgotten Dog Foundation as well as the 35th Alien Anniversary event and your website all at our show notes. You can find that at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Veronica. And we thank you so much for being here, Veronica. Awesome talking to such a legendary actress in the business. I think the fans are just you know excited to see your character on the screen. Some of them might not agree with Helen, but <laughs> someone's got to play the villain in this thing, right? Oh, I don't think of her as villainous. How can I play a villain? People who are villains don't think of themselves as being villainous. Such harsh words from Troy. I can't believe it. It's been a blast talking with you, Veronica. Thank you for taking time. Thank you. It's been fun. So I don't know. I still think after all of that great information from Veronica Cartwright, I think she's still the villain. I wouldn't use the term villain. Yeah, Louise, she'll tweet out. I don't know if any of you guys saw on the Twitter stream, but uh, she tweeted out, get thee to the resurrection podcast with a photo of herself pointing in the church. I thought that was awesome on Twitter this week. That was fantastic. Thank you again, Veronica. That was very clever. And I loved it. I think she has some really good points. You know, the one yes. thing that I really loved about her interview was the fact that she just wants answers. And I think a lot of people are like, where's the person on the show that's asking the questions that the fans are asking? And granted, you know, Maggie kind of thought about that, you know, when she said, you know, back, I think it was two rivers, you know, maybe the river's involved and Ray's like, well, maybe aliens are involved. And <laughs> well, I think Helen's the one that's like, why isn't anybody else concerned about this? And I think if you look at Helen from that perspective, you know, she's not such a bad person. She's just kind of in town and she has to stand up for something because Nobody else want, is trying to figure it out. Yeah, when you come to think of it, there are a lot of people in Arcadia, Missouri on the show that are like, oh, well, we got a few people that came back from the dead. Yeah, it's okay. We'll still go down to the diner and uh, see if uh, Sheriff Fred pops in and anyone else that might be picking up extra food to take home uh, to their other resurrected people. It's not so strange. <laughs> not well, Brandon actually wrote in uh, to feedback at resurrectionrevealed.com. And Brandon said, I think Helen is mad at all of the other returned because I think her husband, the old pastor, returned and then left like Caleb. So I think she's mad that her husband left. So she wants the rest of the return to leave also just being a bitter old lady. Uh, wow, Brandon. <laughs> did, did she say her former husband was one of the pastors? Is that what Brandon's bringing up there? I don't remember it off the top of my head in the show. I'd have to go back and watch. I know Helen in her interview just now mentioned the fact that there was, you know, former pastors at the church, but Tom's probably been there for a while. But it would be interesting to find out if, you know, she did have a husband that was an old pastor or in the case of, you know, Brandon said that he already came back. What if it's the reverse? What if, you know, Helen's upset because she has a loved one that hasn't come back yet? And that's why she's kind of all bitter about everybody else getting their people to come back. I bet that could play into it. And like uh, Veronica talked about in the interview, being there at the park with her uh, grandson, uh, where, where's the parents? I mean, is, is she raising her grandson or just spending some quality time with them? Maybe one of the parents had died and maybe she is waiting to see if they returned. And I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, do show up. That's a good point. Maybe both both parents passed away and now she's the guardian for the grandson. That is true. Very interesting thoughts indeed. 
Well, Wallflower2 wrote in on the website. You can leave comments right on the posts at resurrectionrevealed.com. If this show is about miracles and holy explanations, then point three eight could refer to 1 Corinthians 15.38, which mm. reads, But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Probably 15 people will show up in their town. Just my silly theory. Hope it's a sci-fi explanation, though. Thanks so much, Wallflower2, for writing that in. Interesting. Um, I had not thought of it that way at all, but Wallflower2, if that does come to pass... We've got it here on record at the Resurrection Revealed podcast. That's your theory, and we're going to stick with it. Well, and it ties right into the Veronica interview, too, where she's like, you know, Tom says it's God, and Helen's like, it's the devil. And then I said, of course, you know, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the devil is causing you to block God's, you know, power, procedure, whatever he's trying to accomplish here in Arcadia. We'll have to get a season two if they want to go that deep into it. I I think that would be a heavy-hitting way to go, but I like it. Well, I I definitely think that we're not going to get an answer as to why. I mean, that was one of the things in the book. It's like you wait most of the book to find out what the answer is as to why it happened. And I think you forget that it's not so much about the why. It's about the what do you do with the time that you have. And that's really the character story that you need the slow burn for. And if people aren't invested in resurrection for that development, you know, why is Bellamy the way he is? Why is Maggie the way he is? Uh, she is. And then you have to deal with those characters and how they interact with each other. And it slowly develops and slowly brings out their personalities. I think that's really the crux behind the show. And then eventually you will get the why. And the why might just be a simple fact is these people need a closure. That could explain the entire thing just right there. Now, we also heard from Ray who said this episode had the best acting for the series so far. Kurtwood did an awesome job showing how Henry has become fully attached to the resurrected Jacob and is on an emotional roller coaster attempting to protect Jacob and his wife. Now, the outbreak at the church was important in showing the Arcadians' reaction to the presence of the resurrected and their reactions to their neighbors' behavior. Will Rachel be able to escape from her bondage the same way Caleb did? Can the resurrected be killed? I believe they can. So, Troy, what do you think about uh, Ray's points there? I think they're really good. Yeah. Can the resurrection be killed? That's a very interesting thought because, you know, we've only had Caleb and Rachel and Jacob. And, of course, you don't think of killing a kid. And now Caleb disappeared. So would Gary and company go that far as to you know, off Rachel in the cabin in this next episode. I think that something bigger is going to happen. You know, I know we see kind of a gurney kind of roll out, you know, in the previews when we uh, closed up the show last week, but we don't know who that gurney is, right? could be one of the other people that was in the cabin, someone that comes to help Gary. You know, I think something bigger is going to happen because the returned, I think, protect their own is my theory. If one of them is in trouble, I think more are going to come back, as Caleb said, and I think more are going to come back because they need to help and save Rachel. I can't wait to see if something like that happens because that's going to be hard to explain. I'm going to just sit back and enjoy. I like that thought there. I'd just be interested to see how it's going to play out. But 
you know, it's just a few days away from episode seven. And then, of course, one week later, that's it. So I bet we get not all the answers. And, of course, like you said, the show's not all about getting answers, much like uh, our weekly comparison to Lost. It's about the characters. So I'm going to wait and see what happens. And then Susan wrote in about Pastor Tom, and she's talking about temptation. Can Pastor Tom deal with it? And so far, I think he's uh, three strikes, you're out in the temptation department because he has had multiple opportunities to come clean to his wife, and he clearly has feelings for Rachel. And I think this is just going to solidify Pastor Tom's love for Rachel when he finds out that she's been taken. And I wonder how that's going to affect the church and how it's going to affect the town and, of course, how it affects his relationship with his wife. I just hope that Pastor Tom can reel himself back in. And even though he doesn't want anything terrible to happen to Rachel, he needs to focus on on his wife. So, Pastor Tom, if you're listening in time, please go back to your wife and get things put back in order. Just saying. Yes. Absolutely, because you're going to need someone to support you, because if more are coming, depends on whose side you want to be on when that happens. Oh, for sure. And if by some chance some of the returned unreturn and disappear fully once and for all, uh, that's it for Rachel. And uh, that would be all for nothing. And what kind of relationship does that happen? So let's assume Rachel disappears with the unborn child still in her, then can Tom deal with that loss? And when he deals with that loss a second time, who is there for him to lean on if the church has now completely alienated him and his wife has left him too? Right, because I can only think really of Jacob and he can't go leaning on a 10-year-old for support of this type. Even though technically he's his best friend. Right, but (laughs) this is a situation more complicated than most 10-year-old friendships uh, discuss. And this is totally... it's why the character relationship is the crux of the show. So mm-hmm. focus on the characters. Focus on how would you deal with this situation if you were Pastor Tom? How would you deal with this if you were Bellamy? How would you deal with this if you were Henry and Lucille? Would you go to Bethesda and you know you leave your town that you've known your whole life because you ran the furniture factory before the accident? You know All of this stuff is just the things that really are the tip of the iceberg for where this show could go in the following seasons. No doubt. And like we talked about on Resurrection Revealed last week, things are getting pretty wild in Arcadia, Missouri. So Bethesda, Maryland might not be a a good place to go for a while. And if uh, you trust Rachel's, uh, not Rachel's, if you trust uh, Maggie's friend there, that everything's going to be okay and they're not going to be dissecting Jacob, I'd give it a shot. I don't know. Eric Ward still has got my head scratching a little bit like there's an alternative motive there for sure and if his alternative motive is i just want to get maggie to come back and date me because i lost my chance last time he's not looking out for the returns interest or bellamy's interest at all he's looking out for i'm going to get maggie to come back with me and this is how i'm going to do it i'm going to you know coax her with this idea of solving this case Uh oh i certainly hope it doesn't go that route but uh i could see him looking at things at that angle i just Hope he stays focused on trying to help Jacob. Well, we'll be back Sunday night with our live after show. So you guys all want to be there. That's at 1030 Eastern, 930 Central. You can head to resurrectionrevealed.com slash live, and that'll get you to the place where you need to be once the show is done on the East Coast. 
And we want to say a big thank you to uh, two more people that gave us five-star reviews in iTunes. Thanks so much. And we also want to thank Thomas. Uh, he wrote in and he said, I really enjoy the podcast on the show, and it's even better than some of the competition podcasts. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. So thanks, Thomas, for writing that in. And again, the best way you guys can help us out is, of course, go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash sponsor and throw in a couple bucks, you know, dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever you want to donate for a per episode or a per month fee. You know, it helps bring down the cost of the bandwidth. You know, it helps us make sure that we have the time available to do the great cast interviews for you guys. So just on head on over there, resurrectionrevealed.com slash sponsor or even slash support. Both of those will work and you can donate a few bucks to the uh, church plate, I guess. <laughs> Or help us buy extra food for other return that we're feeding. No, it actually would all go directly back into the show. And although the first season of, of Resurrection Revealed is wrapping up in just a couple of weeks, please join Troy and I on our other podcast, Under the Dome Radio, focused on Under the Dome. Coincidentally enough, that returns on CBS on June 30th. And we are looking forward big time to discussing all of the shenanigans going on in Chester's Mill on Under the Dome Radio. What's that URL again, Wayne? Under the I believe that's where you could probably find the podcast. So in between now and then, I'd like to suggest you could even also check out Lost and Fringe on Netflix, DVD, or other places if you haven't already, because you can check out my legacy podcasts, the Lost Casting Lost podcast and Fringe Casting Fringe podcast, both of which can be found at my main site at mediavoiceovers.com. So those can kind of keep you entertained until Under the Dome comes back, and uh, we'll just keep on talking about TV, TV, TV. Right, Troy? Absolutely. And if you are a podcaster yourself and are interested, Scott Herzog has a new show called The Podcasting Gear Show at podcastingguru.com. And he played our Resurrection Revealed promo. And in a few weeks, I'm actually going to be featured on that show talking about two cool items for podcasting that I can't live without. So you get to hear me twice over on The Podcasting Gear Show. So again, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review for him as well. Absolutely. Please go ahead and do that. And I'm looking forward to hearing what your can't live without podcasting tools are because that, that's a great cause. And if you're interested in podcasting, check out that show. You might be talking about a television show yourself as well on a future podcast. Now, I want to remind you, Resurrection Revealed, not yet affiliated with ABC TV or Plan B. And as a fan podcast, like Troy talked about earlier, you can help support us at resurrectionrevealed.com slash support. Or if you do any Amazon shopping, you can even just go through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. Just do your shopping that way. We get a small percentage and we will put all of that directly back into the podcast to make it even better. And of course, you can find all the great info about Veronica Cartwright and her interview at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Veronica. That'll be where you can find your show notes for this episode, episode number 15. And don't forget that East Coast live chat after the show at 1030 Eastern, 930 Central. Be there or be square. So join us for the fun. Until then, I'm Troy. And I'm Wayne Henderson. Or am I? Whoever I am, I'll be seeing you next time on Resurrection Revealed.
Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.